0: Welcome to the Peaceful Life Podcast. This is your host, Laura, coming to you from a cottage in the woods in the peaceful mountains of California. Today's episode is the second part of my two part series on peace and the police. You don't have to listen to them in order. Last week, I spoke with Raven Xavier about his experiences with the police as a person of color. Today I have a conversation with Sergeant Kahisha Zebley to get the perspective from the other side of the badge. Sergeant Kahisha Zebley is a law enforcement professional with nearly 20 years of service. She's worked on a high crime task force and spent time as a plainclothes officer. She now serves as a patrol sergeant in a large urban police force and also supervises a field training officer program for new recruits. Her goal is to inspire excellence in law enforcement and bridge gaps between the police and the communities that they serve. Welcome, Kyesha, to the Peaceful Life Podcast. Thank you for having me, Laura.
1: It's a pleasure to join you.
0: So first, what
1: inspired you to become a police officer? Well, my career aspiration when I was finishing high school was actually to go to Howard University for undergraduate degree and then go on to Georgetown for law school. And life happened, And, um, so I ended up staying home a little longer before going off to school. And i still wanted to impact the criminal justice field in some way. So I had a mentor in my community who was the local police chief. I had a really good relationship with him and he encouraged me and mentored me through the process of applying to the police academy. And here we are.
0: Wow. And you're Almost a 20-year officer. Thank you for that service. I appreciate that.
1: Thank you. When I hear 20 years and when I think back to when I first thought about going to the police academy, it's kind of shocking to me that here, 20 years later, here we are.
0: (laughs) Has your perspective changed from when you first went into the academy to how you see the police and communities now?
1: So my expectation going into uh, policing, when I first started the police academy, yes, like many other young people going into the police academy, you have sort of this rosy ideal that you're going to save the world and, um, you know, have this huge impact and you're going to have this S on your chest. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know, I've had the opportunity to do uh, a lot of good work and help a lot of people and probably countless more that I don't even know about. But certainly my image going into police work was changed and made to be a little bit more realistic once I came, went on the police force. And then with experience and times in society changing, that has also, you know, changed the perspective of policing, the the community and how those two things go together.
0: And, you know, obviously there's been a lot of stories in the media past five, ten years about undue force and aggression by police officers, specifically against people of color. And that's what I'm trying to address in this episode, Peace in the Police, and how to If there's a way to fix this, and I'm really grateful for you to join us as a Black woman and as a police officer for your voice and your perspective. And I know you can only speak for your particular city, but what are police departments doing to address and
1: fix this? Well, although I'm familiar, obviously, with what's happening uh, in the area that I police, there's lots of work being done all across the country to help bridge these gaps. And police chiefs and administrators across the country are realizing that some of the ways that things have been done in the past might need to be enhanced or changed or given a second look. And one of those ways is through a really intentional community engagement And, um, you know, the use of social media and reaching directly into communities that have a particularly challenging relationship with the police. There was this theory that really sort of um, guided the way that police did their jobs, especially in uh, socially and economically depressed communities called the broken glass theory. Well, I think police chiefs, and administrators across the country are starting to take a second look at that and see if that's causing an undue um, amount of enforcement in certain communities. And most importantly, and I think the thing that I, I hold, you know, dearest and, and believe that we need to focus on the most is relating to people who are different than us from the community's perspective as well as the police perspective. Uh, you know, some police departments require like a residency or that you live within a certain area of, of, your, uh, of the area that you patrol. Some others don't. And there's different train of thought on which is better or not. But if you happen to work in a community that uh, is unlike an environment that you were raised in or that you're familiar with, it's difficult to really know how to interact with people. Sure, police officers, the, the idea and the intention and the expectation is that we're all professionals and that we're all operating from this um, moral and ethical point of view with integrity at the forefront of everything that we do. But when you simply don't have a background or understanding of people and their differences, you have to you have to work at that, and, um, and and the way to do that is to actually communicate and experience people before there has to be some sort of enforcement. Because then once it gets to the need for you know uh, enforcement and police action, you don't have the opportunity at that moment to then have a this cultural understanding. So uh, a deeper need for cultural intelligence within the police department mm-hmm. and the community reciprocating and looking to better understand the methods that we use to uh, to enforce and to address crime patterns and things like that the research behind it the reasons why that we do the things we do i just think the curtains need to be pulled back on both sides so that people can get really an inside look onto how each other lives, each other's intentional, you know, goals, like we all, besides being police officers, we're, just, we're all individuals and have many of the same, you know, needs and desires for our own families. And if we look at things from a more humanistic point of view, then we all could, I believe, have a more peaceful and positive relationship.
0: I like that. Now, you had mentioned the broken glass theory or broken window, and I remember reading about that. Can you explain what that is, that theory?
1: So the theory basically says that uh, it's it's a social so sociology theory that was made popular many years ago. And the, the idea is basically that in an area where small Things go unaddressed like broken windows in a, uh, an abandoned building or trash and things like that. When they go unaddressed, that leads to higher crimes, a more likelihood of higher, more violent crimes. So police would often be more focused on areas that had, you know, simple, uh, quote, Broken glass issues. Mm -hmm. And that would cause sometimes a more heavy handed enforcement in communities that had these matters go unaddressed because there was economic depression and all, and it just kind of started a domino effect. Right. And mm -hmm.
0: yeah. So sometimes in the media, when a story comes out, it's framed as like a few bad apples thing. But I believe that it it goes kind of deeper than that. It's systemic, and do you think it it comes from kind of an old school type of training? And like you said, just new views has have to be infused into the
1: training process. I do agree that um, that a lot of the issues that we see are systemic, and the the difficulty. With really getting to the heart of these issues is that they're they're ingrained in in the culture, they really are. And when there's you know change is difficult, and sometimes people just simply don't see the need for change. And um, you know even myself as a black female in law enforcement, that was not the most widely accepted thing many years ago. And while people of color, women, people that don't fit the traditional ideal of what a police officer was back in the 50s and 60s, although many of those things have evolved, there's still like an undercurrent. And the undercurrent that remains with that is the same thing that causes the systemic issues that we see. Right. And uh, we we have to really be honest about that in law enforcement.
0: Now you had talked about community policing and I had worked closely with the Chicago Police Department when I, I had written this series of novels and wanted to understand just kind of the inner workings because I had no knowledge whatsoever about uh, any kind of police procedure. So they talked about, they had a CAPS program, which is Chicago Alternative Policing Strategy, but it's kind of been off and on. Do you think that, you know, the bottom line is that that is the best way to go is community policing and having neighborhood meetings and just, you know, like you said, getting to know each other on a human level, other than training, that that is a great basis for creating peace?
1: I think it's a great basis. And I'm glad that you mentioned training, because that was the other thing that I was going to say is that having having a foundation of, you know, community interactions, I think it's really important. But if folks are required to interact with a community, if you're assigned to, um, you know, community relations, or if it's something that's part of diversity inclusion training during your your annual or biannual training, then you're not going to necessarily have that same buy-in. It even sometimes I think creates this resentment in officers mm. because that, you know, it can sometimes appear that you're being made to do something that's just not necessary. Um, you know, there's no problem with how we interact with people. So it's not necessary to have this. I don't need to understand diversity more than I already do.
0: So they don't feel like they're broken, so they don't want to be fixed. Is that, yeah, that's
1: kind of the, the the mentality in many ways. And and so getting at the heart of that, I think, is really the big challenge. That's really the big challenge. You know, police officers have always been trained to be warriors and to, you know, be this warrior mentality. And I think that has sort of played into some of the real systemic rather than anecdotal challenges. And breaking through that mentality, breaking through that culture is is really the big challenge.
0: Yeah, I spoke with a police officer in Chicago kind of about this, and she said, you know, we're trained to think it's them or me, it's them or me. So if somebody's being aggressive, I have to do what I have to do to go home at night. So do you agree that that's kind of sometimes what's going through the heads of the police officers that absolutely they're scared. Mm-hmm. There's there's a fear there. They're human as well, and they have to make sure that they return to their families at night too.
1: It's true. It's it's true. There's definitely this inherent fear, and you know I think it's just it's really important for police. I, I always say that we have this incredible responsibility. We have a lot of authority and power and influence over people's lives when they have an interaction with us. In a, an interaction with me on any given day or any other police officer across the country could really change the trajectory of a person's life and their families. And having that responsibility, it has to weigh it has to really be weighed heavily by the individual officer with every encounter that you have. It can't just be um, no matter what, I'm going home. That's absolutely a priority. Of course, we go out to serve our communities, but ultimately, you know, our, our families are sacrificing as well. Right. So we we, we want to come home to our family safely. Uh, I just think it's important to weigh the responsibility that we have to the people that we encounter Mm -hmm. because they want to go home to their families as well. And we take on this risk, you know, like no one expects that they're going to be, or, or hopes that or intends to be harmed in this job. Right. But there has to be an understanding that just as others risk certain things, when they enter into a certain profession or certain activities, things like that, like there's an inherent risk in the job that we do. And our ultimate mentality can't always and just simply be no matter what, no matter what I'm, I'm going to be unscathed at the end of this shift, because the reality is sometimes things happen but we have to balance, you know, that that need to remain safe, that priority to remain safe, and to enforce fairly. It, does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, it does. Now, speaking of family, you have a
1: ten-year-old daughter. I do. How do you discuss your job with her? You know, I. It's interesting because I I don't I don't discuss a lot of what I deal with uh, with my daughter. My husband and I are both in this line of work. And as she gets older, she certainly is more aware of the dangers that her mom and dad face. Uh, But we try to, as best we can, to shield her from all of the details. Uh, But we, you know, talk to her a lot about Inter, just interacting with people, people that are different from her, with an open mind. And we're we're honest with her about the fact that there are not good people in the world. Right. And there are challenges out there in the world. So mommy and daddy, on a daily basis, confront some of those challenges. And sometimes it's hard. So, yeah, we do our best to try to balance it without terrifying her right. you know <laughs> absolutely
0: now how would you feel if she grew up to want to be a police officer
1: honestly it's it's not it's not something that I would want from my child really it really isn't no I, I really wouldn't um she has a heart for service mm-hmm. and is really concerned about the state of the world she's really interested in the environment and social justice she's um really you know interested in helping things be better that is uh, awesome it is it's it's really it's pretty cool it's it's so neat I, I say all the time you know i just i get this gift of being the parent of this little this little person who has so much compassion And sometimes carries the weight of the world a little bit too much on, on her little shoulders, but she's, she's very aware. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I think she's going to definitely impact this world in a great way. Uh, but I would like for it to be in a way that's outside of the uniform, (laughs) um, and where she can, you know, help, um, help influence policy and help influence, you know, maybe the way that police are implementing change. But I, I would like for her to not necessarily go into the lot of work that my husband and I have chosen.
0: How did your parents react when you decided
1: to? Well, you know what's interesting? When my my father passed um, my senior year in high school, so that sort of is what led me to changed direction with going away to college. And before he passed, he knew that I wanted to go to law school, but he also knew that I'd been considering this whole police thing. And he was not interested in hearing any talk of that. (laughs) I think he thought it was just a phase. And, you know, because again, there were no other family members that were in law enforcement. So had he been living still, when I went through the police academy. I know he would have been extremely proud, but it was definitely tough for him to even hear talk of his baby girl being a police officer. My mom, my brothers, they're incredibly supportive. They constantly keep me in their prayers. My family has a uh, a deep, you know, spiritual background, and they are constantly, you know, Keeping me lifted up in prayer and uh, just supporting me and encouraging me and hoping that you know one day soon I'll be on the policy making side so that I'll be (laughs) out of the out of the um, out of the fray as well. I know that that's ultimately my family's hope and desire, and they believe that I have the you know the ability and the desire to really you know help impact change. They they see that in me. They see that deep desire.
0: That's wonderful. I believe that too. So that brings us to your
1: new podcast. Tell my listeners about what you're doing with that. So Courage Beyond the Badge has been a project in the works for a while. And um, I'm really looking forward to having conversations with law enforcement professionals at all levels, as well as community members and policymakers and anyone who has an interest and desire to see the bridge being built between the community and the police. Um, I'm looking to have these courageous conversations where we will confront some difficult subjects and some interesting things like incorporating mindfulness in police practice and changing the way that we look at Things like the Broken Glass Theory and uh, Citizens Police Academy and all those things that we could incorporate to make policing better and to, and to bridge these gaps between the police and the communities we serve. And, and ultimately, I believe that this podcast is going to be a landing place for better conversations, and I believe these better conversations will lead to better policing.
0: You know what? I can see where your daughter gets her compassion and her intelligence. Thank you. For the world. Yes, definitely. I look forward to this podcast. And you can find out more about Kahisha Zebley and her work in her upcoming podcast, courage beyond the badge dot com. Is that correct?
1: Yes, ma'am. Just
0: like the words, courage beyond the badge. Dot com. Well, Kahisha, thank you for spending time with me today, and I wish you all the best with your new projects, and definitely be safe out on the streets.
1: Thank you, Laura. It was a real pleasure.
0: A big thank you to both Sergeant Zebley and Rave X for lending their voices to the peaceful life on this important issue. If you have any comments about this or any other episode, please email me at laura at thepeaceful.life. To hear more shows, check out my website at thepeaceful.life, and I'm also on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Remember, you are a spectacular human being. I'm so grateful to all of the humans who risk their lives every day to keep the peace. Hopefully, with more conversations like this, we can work toward a better relationship with our peace officers and they with us. Be careful out there and have a lovely and peaceful week.